0: Hello, everyone. It's so great having you with us for our very first episode. I'm not going to lie, with so many things that we want to share with you, it was really hard to pick our first topic. So we've decided to start at the beginning with a foundational piece of activity coaching, and that is deciding who to select as the ideal activity coach and the important roles that the activity coach plays. So I'll start with some considerations on who should take on these responsibilities
1: and And I'll discuss the different hats that they wear. And lastly, we'll wrap up with our highly anticipated, say that again, role play segment. Heather, let's dive
0: in. All right. As context for this first part of our discussion, we are referring specifically to the role of activity coach. So that individual that meets one-on-one, two to three times a week for the purposes of accountability to sales numbers. We realize that all leaders, whether field directors, GDDs, CUDs, etc., do some form of activity coaching, but here specifically, we are talking about the actual activity coach role itself. Because activity coaching only takes place a couple days a week for a few hours on those days, this role is typically not a full-time role. Often, the director of development or the director of training are typically a great fit as it aligns nicely with their existing responsibilities, their knowledge, and maybe even incentive compensation. But if you are recruiting a large number of financial reps, like most organizations are right now, span of control is going to quickly become an issue. And that is when leaders start to look to other roles to fill that need. Oftentimes, that role tends to be a sales execution team member, a training coordinator, or I hate to say it, anyone else with capacity. Unfortunately, in some situations, it becomes more about putting a body in the seat Or checking the box versus finding the ideal person with the best skill set for the role. So we're not saying that it can't be someone in one of those positions. It just has to be the right person. And in fact, Sabina, you started conducting activity coaching when you were, I believe, the assistant to the managing partner,
1: correct? Or the general agent at the time? Yes, that is correct. He wanted to take that role away from the recruiter because she had been doing double duty. And I basically raised my hand and said, I'd like to do that. And thus a 30-year career was born. Right, exactly.
0: And you became passionate about it. So again, we're not saying that it can't be somebody in a staff type role. However, we just want to make sure that it is the right person. So let's face it, it can be difficult to find and train someone who understands the ins and outs of the FR role enough that they can coach to it without having done it themselves. It takes a lot of confidence It takes someone willing to and interested in diving into the analytics of the sales cycle, the numbers, the ratios, the language, and so on. So a huge important reminder or emphasis that this is not a passive numbers collecting administrative role. If you want results, if you want more pace that first 40s, second 60s, or FRs hitting those success milestones, you need to realize and believe the importance of the role the impact that it can have, and then really select and train that coach accordingly. So we're going to assume that because you joined us today, you get it, right? You have that belief and that conviction of the importance of the role. But let's speak for a moment to the impact of this role. And Sabina, I know you have a hundred examples of this as well over your many years of experience, but NFR never really knows the impact of activity coaching until it's gone. If I had a nickel for every FR that griped about coaching during those first six months, but then came back to either hire me later because they missed the accountability or the outside perspective, the dissection of the numbers, and so on, or they attributed a portion of their success to our meetings. So you really don't know the value of something until it's gone. And it's these stories and experiences, by the way, that really fuel my passion for this topic and Sabina's as well, and hence our coaching clinics. And of course, this podcast. So Sabina, any other thoughts before we continue?
1: Yeah, I just want to say it is such a delayed gratification role. You really have to remember that because your reps aren't really going to thank you while it's happening. But I can tell you from my experience, and Heather, I'm sure you'll agree, people will often come back to you as far out as two or three years later and quote something you said back to you. You might not even remember that you said it. So first of all, keep in mind, words have power and they land and a lot of times the ones that you least suspect will stick. It's only in retrospect that you realize what an impact you've had on someone's career. I've spent my entire career in the under five years of service space because I truly believe that if you raise them up right in the beginning, you'll have far fewer issues down the road. Absolutely. So now that you know who makes a good activity coach, I'd like to share some of the roles that that person will play as they're coaching. So there are really four main roles for an activity coach or four different hats that you'll wear. And really, sometimes you'll go through all four in one meeting. So let's start with the first one, which is the drill sergeant. This is the directive tough love role that may involve some conflict. Because you'll be coaching at the very beginning of the career, it's important to be clear and concise about the path to success and bring in your reps back to that quickly when they veer off road and they will trust me this role can be a little uncomfortable for some people but it's a necessary part of successful activity coaching so when you think about the drill sergeant the trait i associate with that person is courage because it takes some courage to be direct so as you're thinking about who would fit this role this person has to have some courage so what the drill sergeant sounds like heather if you continue to perform at this level it's unlikely that you'll hit the goals you told me were important to you. So powerful. So Heather, how do you feel when I say that to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, really powerful, right? I mean, it puts the onus on me. And what I like about it too, and this is what comes to mind when I think about drill sergeant, is that it's not mean, it's clear, right? It's not mean, it's direct. Exactly. And it reminds me of... Radical Candor, a book by Kim Scott, and something that we actually Mm -hmm. utilize as content in our clinics is the importance of that direct, clear communication. So to me, when I heard that, it was clear and it was direct.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to clear up. The drill sergeant isn't yelling at you. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in my drill sergeant mode, the tone of my voice and my demeanor was much as you are hearing right now. So it's just that direct verbiage. Now, the second role is the one that most people gravitate toward, and that's the cheerleader, right? That's the encouraging role, the I believe in you role, the role that recognizes victories large and small and the role that believes no compliment is too small. This is the role, as I said, a lot of people gravitate to, and it's probably the most fun role. The trait I associate with the cheerleader is positivity, right? It's difficult to be a negative cheerleader. Try it. It's kind of funny. So this is what the cheerleader sounds like. Heather, great job on getting your first 25 fact finders done in a single month. You're demonstrating that you have what it takes to be really successful, and I believe in your bright future. So Heather, how do you feel when I say that to you? I feel proud of myself. Gosh darn it, I did a good job. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. You know what's interesting, Sabine, when I hear you share the two, right? Like the drill sergeant compared to the cheerleader Mm -hmm. is the balance of the two, like how different they can feel, but the importance of balancing both of them. And I'm always have been a big believer in the feedback sandwich, right? So giving that direct, clear feedback Mm -hmm. and sometimes having to give difficult feedback, but then making sure that it is a nice balance of plenty of cheerleader, positive feedback in there as well. So for every Negative comment you share, there should be at least two
1: positive pieces of feedback as well. That's exactly right. People are used to being corrected, but they are not used to receiving compliments so much. The third role is a little different than those two, and this is the tactician. This is the Granum specific role, the role that knows the averages and ratios and how to apply them to a specific rep's situation. This role requires you to not only know the numbers, but be versatile enough to apply them to individual situations. The trait I think of with the tactician is knowledgeable. To be a good tactician, you have to know your stuff inside and out. So this is what the tactician sounds like. Heather, you're seeing the right number of people, but you're only asking 65% of them for referrals. Let me show you how a 10% increase in the number of times you ask plays out through the rest of the sales cycle and can have a dramatic effect on your results. What do you think about that, Heather? How does that make you feel when you hear it?
0: Like, you know your stuff, number one, and it actually makes me feel excited because you showed me an opportunity. You took my information and said, what if you did this? So I'm excited to hear about how I can improve. The other thing with tactician, like my little pointer would be think back to your elementary, middle school, high school days when you were trying to memorize facts and get out some flashcards, right? Put your numbers on there, your ratios on there, really memorize those numbers. I can't emphasize enough, like you said, the role of tactician and a great way to do that is to just make some flashcards for yourselves and memorize, memorize, memorize.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is the role that makes Granum specific, and it's not just generic. It's much more precise than just see more people or find better people or something like that. And that brings us to the fourth and probably the most important role, which weaves through the other three, and that is that of truth teller. This is the role that looks people right in the eye and tells them the truth of their situation as you see it. Now, I believe it is possible to tell what I call the kind truth. And the key to that is to remember that your ability to tell the truth is directly proportional to the strength of your relationship to the rep. In other words, if you've built a relationship with your reps based on trust and mutual respect, they'll be much more inclined to hear you when you're in that truth teller mode. If people know that you care about them, you can say just about anything. I think the two big traits that I think of when I think of being the truth teller are kindness and patience. You can tell people the truth. And in that moment, they might not like it. In fact, they may get up and leave. But I promise you that they'll think about it. And I can't guarantee they'll come back later and say you were right. But sometimes they will do just that. And even if they don't, you have to rest in the knowledge that you honored your part of the equation. And what they do with that truth is up to them. Now, one role that you don't play is that of a therapist although it's going to feel from time to time like that's exactly what you're doing. Right? Reps love to distract you from their lack of activity or results by taking you down a rabbit hole of personal issues. And granted, it's a fine line between knowing the whole person, but yet not trying to solve all their personal problems. Heather, what do you think about that role of a the therapy?
0: No, I absolutely agree. And I will say there are times though, where I have had people that I've been coaching And I literally have felt like they did need some professional help or some therapy. And I do believe it is your job to perhaps point that out to them. Again, that kind truth and that direct truth. It's not your job to fix it for them, right? But it might be your job to point them in the right direction of where they could find resources. There's such a connection between how a rep is feeling emotionally and mentally in this business. And if they are having issues or challenges that need to be addressed, it probably is impacting their effectiveness in this role and their ability to be completely successful. So no, you are not a therapist, but if you identify any opportunities or situations where you might
1: need to refer them, certainly don't be afraid to do so. Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. And you want to know them because people are not different at home than they are at work in a perfect world, right? Like you bring your whole self to everywhere in your life. And so you wanna know that whole person.
0: Absolutely. Let's transition. It's time now for our signature Mm -hmm. Say That Again segment where we will provide our listeners with some relevant, easy to use language that they can implement in their
1: next meeting. So let's jump in.
0: Say Say that that again.
1: again. One question we get fairly often is how to respond when an FR says, you don't understand, you've never been a rep. Now, we know that most activity coaches aren't reps and haven't been. So it's important to be armed with a calm and measured response that's not defensive, even though you will want to defend yourself with every bone in your body. It's important to understand that most reps who say this to you are struggling and frustrated. The best defense is a good offense, right? So understand that this is really not about you at all. You will very seldom hear a high-performing rep say this. So Heather and I are going to do a quick role play to demonstrate a simple response that will prevent a defensive posture or an argument.
0: Sabina, you just don't understand. I mean,
1: you were never a rep yourself. Heather, you're right. I'm not a rep and I haven't been one. But I'll tell you this, I have tremendous respect for people like you who are reps and have taken on that challenge. You've jumped into the arena and are working at something that would send most people screaming in the other direction. My goal is always to help you do the best possible job building your business and serving your clients. Tell me, are your mentors and peers telling you something different than what I'm telling you? Uh, (laughs) Right? I think that's probably how they're going to respond.
0: I mean, how do you argue with somebody who said they want what's best for you, right? I mean, your Mm -hmm. goal is to help them be successful and to do the best possible job. I also love the question, what's frustrating you most right now? Because really, they're probably frustrated with themselves. They're not frustrated with you, right? Exactly. And so it takes the focus off of you and it puts the focus where it really should be, which is how are we going to help you get better? So I love that. It's so powerful and it creates alignment with the team. So really good. Awesome. All right. Well, that is it for today on the roles of a coach. We hope you took something of value that you can use immediately. Make it a great day. Thanks for
1: joining us today
0: for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather
1: and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn
0: more about our Activity Coaching Clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes.
1: Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.